my name's Justin DeClue, and I'm here today with... Will Sloan. And this week, we have a very special guest, Eric Siska from We Hate Movies. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm going to give you a Joe Don Baker hello here. Let's see if we can get this on the mic. Oh my God, Joe Don is here in the room with us. Crazy. <laughs> That's right. Is that a can of Schlitz you've got there? <laughs> if I was actually in the room with you, I'd christen you by like spilling some on you Mitchell style. Folks, we needed a guest on this episode because the subject is too big. <laughs> I don't even have to finish that sentence, do I? I don't even have to. Well, he's walking tall. That's what you mean by big. Yeah, he's six foot three. Come on. <laughs> this was a topic brought to the podcast by Will Sloan. He sent me a message being, listen, we wanted to do a Joe Don Baker episode for a long time, but we needed to get our bona fides before we could settle down and talk about it. And Mitchell takes place during Christmas, so let's make it a Joe Don Baker Christmas. That's right. Mitchell is my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> Anyone who has seen it will note that John Saxon's character has a Christmas tree up in his home. And also there are several lines of dialogue when the prostitute character played by Linda Evans is referred to as a Christmas gift. So that's good enough for me. <laughs> so Eric, when did you become aware of Joe Don Baker? And I could take a guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of people, it was the Mitchell MST3K episode, saw that in like the 90s or so. And when we were gearing up to do We Hate Movies, we would always watch that episode for some reason all the time time because it was a banner episode and then I started you know like digging into his filmography sort of after there we covered some of his movies on our podcast we ate movies uh like the pack was one of our very first episodes I think the third episode <laughs> you're like we got to give people what they love that's <laughs> killer dog movies and Joe Don Baker absolutely and will I know your history with Joe Don Baker, but I want you to let the people know, especially a very important Joe Don Baker shrine that you made. First thing I'll say is that I first became aware of Joe Don Baker seeing the movie Tomorrow Never Dies as a child, because when Joe Don shows up in that movie, I remember my dad leaned over to me and said, oh, that's Joe Don Baker. He's been in these movies for a long time. But then, like, Joe Don Baker kept showing up in supporting roles. Like, I remember also with my dad watching this made-for-TV movie about George Wallace that starred Gary Sinise, and uh, Joe Don Baker was was in that and uh, my dad was like oh there's joe don baker he's from the james bond movies so <laughs> man your dad loves joe don baker uh, evidently so when i was i think in grade seven i got the vhs tape of the mystery science theater episode of mitchell probably seen it 50 times as i was watching mitchell without the commentary just last night like I could just hear the entire commentary through the whole movie. I could hear the phantom voices of Crow and Servo making their jokes. And you wanted to know the little shrine I made. I got so obsessed with Joe Don Baker as a middle schooler that like, I, I like... I bought Walking Tall and Final Justice on DVD, and I made out of a Kleenex box a little Jodon Baker box set. I thought it would be so funny. Like Jodon Baker felt kind of like my little secret as a middle schooler. This this character actor, you know, who who it was just arbitrary to love. Wait, so you thought it would be funny for yourself? Yes, because no one else knows who he is. Yeah, right? I thought it'd be funny because, like, well, what's one subject that no one would ever make a DVD box set of, out of? One day, Justin will come to my house under sad circumstances and see that Joe Don Baker box and we will have a laugh about I it. I was almost ready to hide that Joe Don Baker box from you because I was like so embarrassed by it. 
I would say my history, though, is very similar uh, to Eric's, where like it, it all started with that Mystery Science Theater episode. And then, you know, after that developed more of a real appreciation of him. And Eric, what do you appreciate about Joe Don? Like other than the fact that Mystery Science Theater 3000 makes him look like a very large, lazy fella. <laughs> is there anything else there? Or is that like, you know, the secret sauce? There's more to him. I, I think he's got a very... Very good, like on-screen persona. Like there's a charisma that that is projected out at you, and he seems more like a real guy, you know, like a genuine guy. So it's like you watch Walking Tall. It's like, yeah, you know, I could imagine a scenario where I go back to my hometown in the in the Catskill Mountains and I have to beat people, or you know. So it's like a very everyman type of look. He's a guy that like you find his photo beside the definition of character actor. You're like, oh yeah, Joe Don Baker type, right? And it's kind of miraculous that for a couple of years in the 70s, he actually became a leading man by accident. Like in the years before that, he was in these movies like Junior Bonner or uh, one that we watched this week, Adam at 6am or Cool Hand Luke showing up in like proper character actor roles. And then all of a sudden, just because Walking Tall was this fluke hit, all of a sudden there was this six foot three, probably like 240 pound uh, Texan <laughs> who has the screen presence of like a sloppier Marlon Brando. I think it's interesting to view Joe Don Baker's career through the prism of like Rick Dalton from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because mm-hmm. if you track it, there's a lot of similarities there other than the fact that he never went to Italy to make spaghetti westerns, which the sequel star of Walking Tall, Bo Svensson, did well, do. getting back to our relationship with Joe Don Baker, I think that in that episode of Mystery Science Theater, the Mitchell one, the big joke is, the big overwhelming joke of it is, can you believe that they made an action movie starring this like slightly overweight, very unappealing man? Ha ha ha. <laughs> I thought they were so mean when I finally saw that episode only a couple of years ago. As people may know, I'm not an MST3K like um, from youth. So I was like, all right, this is a classic episode. Everyone's quoting it. And I sat down and watched it and was like, oh man, they're so mean. Poor Joe Don. But then if you get curious and you start to explore the other movies that he's in, you realize that he is actually a great actor and like there's something there's something raw and something very real about his talent. There's something God, I I wish I could articulate it perfectly, but he has he has a bit of that method quality to him. I was looking to see if he had like trained with any of the greats like, oh, him and Al Pacino used to hang out. But it doesn't seem like they did, because looking at any biographies about him, it's like, oh, he's a Texas boy, went to North Texas University, got a business degree, kind of stumbled into acting, worked a bunch on televisions, appeared in Guns of the Magnificent Seven. <laughs> Everyone's favorite Magnificent Seven sequel, right, guys? He was a student of the actor's studio in New York, mm. so he followed in that Brando, James Dean lineage. Yeah, and the whole the TV background is very interesting. I mean, this guy looks perfect for Westerns, being a Texan and all, but then they also had him play mm-hmm. uh, a Native American a few times, I believe. Um, <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, uh, Justin, you mentioned uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Obviously, Lancer, he was... Um, the character that Rick Dalton was trying to portray there. Oh, really? I didn't even know that it yeah. uh, linked up that closely with each other. Oh, yes. In the actual episode, he is what is uh, Dukatu or whatever. It's a different name. It's a different name in the actual episode. But yeah, he did three Lancers. That's fascinating. I wonder, I mean, obviously Tarantino probably has positive feelings about Joe Don Baker, but never put him in a movie. Damn him. Shameful. He is like a quintessential character actor. And the fact that he became a bit of a, a leading man in the 70s, 
maybe in the long run, it hurt him a little bit because right now, if you ask most people who love Joe Don Baker, what do you love him for? I think they would say mystery science theater. I think that has kind of come to define his legacy and people don't people don't necessarily think of him as a De Niro, a Pacino, one of those great method guys because he went on this path where, you know, he became a character actor again in the 80s and 90s and had a lot of success with it, but he spent so much time making kind of like cheesy action movies in the 70s. And he didn't have the kind of career that was really focused in one way or another. It went in a lot of different kinds of directions. And so it's harder for people to get a handle on it uh, than it is for just somebody who's a regular character actor or a regular leading man. I wonder if that would have been different had he pursued those Walking Tall sequels. Less of a joke, because that that movie is like kind of universally beloved in some regard. Yeah, I mean, it's so iconic. And because he's the one who portrayed it the first time, that's the like actor that people think of when they think of Walking Tall. I mean, Bo Svensson's career, uh, like I mentioned, the guy who picked up the piece of wood following Joe Don Baker, he just had a <laughs> pretty kind of straightforward like action guy career i mean he oh man 121 credits so basically whatever job was offered to both fence and he's like yeah sure i'll do it while it feels like Jodan Baker, I don't know if he was more picky. I, I looked to see if I could find any references to him being difficult, because I feel like I have that memory of like reading that somewhere. But that may just be linked to the tall tales that were woven about how angry he was that Mystery Science Theater 3000 made fun of Mitchell when... Also, that is exactly what I said it was, a tall tale, that he pretty much didn't really care. I think he was very clearly going on one path in the late 60s and early 70s, this path of being a character actor or a supporting character. And then he had this big fluke hit. And for about five or six years, he was coasting on that fluke hit in all of these movies like Checkered Flag or Crash or Speed Trap or or Framed, which is a pretty good one. After that, it almost seems like he becomes too big to just be a character actor, at least for a couple of years. Uh, and, and he sort of fades away and into all of these Graydon Clark movies in the 80s. Now, Eric suggested we watch Adam at 6 a.m. And that was a great suggestion because it is an excellent Joe Don Baker performance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I, my memory of it is was was pretty hazy because when I was going down a Joe Don Baker rabbit hole around, you know, 10 years ago when we started We Hate Movies, I stumbled across it, like I think on YouTube, like a VHS rip and it looked terrible. Watched it late at night, which is probably the way to watch it. Like a two 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. You're like, what's this? Hey, I recognize these people. Young Michael Douglas? That's what really sold me. I'm like, Joe Don Baker and Michael Douglas in the same movie. How am I not watching this? Um, but but yeah. he shines really uh, bright in that movie. He's great. So the plot, it's a very graduate-inspired movie. Graduate exploitation, if you will. That actually feels almost like a proto-lost in America, but without the jokes, <laughs> yeah. where Michael Douglas is a young a well-to-do college professor, living the dream. Yeah, beautiful women. He has a steady job, a PhD, rich parents. What else would you want mm-hmm. in life? A professor of semantics. <laughs> <laughs> and that basically, the only reason why he's a professor of semantics is so that he can have a conversation with some like yokel early in the movie where they're like, semantics, what's that? And he can be like, well, semantics is uh, the study of this and this and this and that. And that yokel's also like, I saw that blowout movie. What a piece oh, of yeah. crap that was. Us simple folk just want <laughs> entertainment. We want, we want to see movies by Julie Andrews. Why are you people on the coast 
house foisting all of this arty stuff on us so that that conversation early on in the movie i thought this is getting a little heavy-handed yeah i did appreciate the joke that he thought blow up was a uh, war- world war ii movie or something <laughs> that's the classic family matters oh the bridges of madison county can't wait for him to blow up that bridge him and his wife going to kansas city to like let off some steam all right let's go see a movie blow up of Obviously, people are exploding in this movie. <laughs> Two for this. Please. I don't know if you guys have ever had the trouble of like going home to visit relatives or maybe vacationing in an unfamiliar area, and people are constantly coming up to you arguing about the arty films that you, as as a coastal elite, are are enabling from Hollywood. You know. <laughs> well, Michael Douglas is a soft LA boy in Adam at six a.m. Like a real. Oh, I feel miserable. I should start a Fight Club or something. <laughs> yes. So so. He he does just that. He moves out to the Midwest. Uh, he works in manual labor. Uh, what, what's the job he's got in this movie? He's like clearing brush, that kind of thing. Yeah, they're like clearing uh, like forests and stuff to lay power lines throughout Missouri. Which is powerfully symbolic because what he realizes in this movie is the this pure way of being, this simple life is not actually so simple at all. And they make a big deal of Michael Douglas being like, now I have rough hands. I've lived. <laughs> so a lot of heavy duty symbolism there. But then Jodon Baker shows up and he is out of this world. He leaps off the screen. He's so charismatic. What a ray of sunshine Jodon is. He's funny, has a weird like handsomeness to him in this movie. Is that an embarrassing thing to say on the podcast? No, no, he de- he, he definitely does. His, his teeth look, look a little worse for wear. I think he got them improved over the years. I like that Jodon is constantly balding with like his hair like flipped long at the front. <laughs> Even when I was watching Final Justice, uh, a late period Joe Don, I'm like, he's still got that hair, right? Eh? There's a live wire quality to him in this movie. There's a there's an unpredictability to him. Like Michael Douglas is so reserved, but Joe Don Baker, it, it kind of feels like he could do he could do anything. It's a very busy performance. There, there's a lot that he's doing with his body, but it never seems really affected. It feels like a very lived in performance as well. It's a real like anytime Joe Don is not on screen, character should be like, where's Joe Don Baker? We don't want to follow this Michael Douglas like Lamo. That's the great dynamic between them is like you get to see like Jodon Baker raise Michael Douglas, sort of like a surrogate father in a way, but also like that father likes to visit prostitutes. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I got four kids and I love my prostitutes, uh, sex workers. Oh man. I revisited Walking Tall earlier this year, by the way, for another episode that we did. And I found it uh, pretty entertaining overall. I mean, if people don't know what Walking Tall is, it's the one that launched him to stardom and he played uh, you know very 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 loosely based on a true story of a stick wielding sheriff <laughs> who cleaned up a small southern town and and he plays that sheriff Buford Pusser wielding a huge stick it was it was a huge like silent majority hit back in the early 70s kind of like dirty harry and i was when i saw it earlier this year again i was impressed by joe don baker's performance anew because like I say, he has that live wire quality. There's a certain, I, I mean, I in Walking Tall, I guess to some degree he represents this pillar of traditional American values, but there's something about him that's also very manic at his best. There's something about him that seems like like he could be capable of anything, which gives gives the character much more of an edge than Bo Svensson later did, where he made him much more rock solid. There's like an unpredictability in his eyes. Like he could, he could and he's a top, you know, obviously Walking Tall, he's a towering figure. That's like, what is his big guy gonna do and i think it's important as well that like he looks like someone that could live next door to you 
there's nothing about him that's like, ah, yes, that's a movie star, which I think is also what makes him a target when you're talking about something like Mitchell. Which makes me a little frustrated, actually, after binging Joe Don Baker's movies this week, because I find myself just loving him more and more as almost like the people's movie star, as this as this guy who got in, got in through a side door. You're like, all right, give me two more Kleenex boxes. It's time to expand that box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And now I almost feel like to make fun of him is to say, no, no, a movie star should look like this. A movie star should be Tom Cruise. That's what a movie star looks Can like. Can you think of any other stars that are kind of like Joe Don Baker or had similar careers to him? I mean, in Final Justice, he has a sort of Steven Seagal-ish quality. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because he's late period, Joe Don. Is that the one where he goes like Malta or something? That is correct. Yes. Oh, nice. That's the other one that MST3K uh, riffed as well, to which I say, well-deserved. I actually think that there is a strong Marlon Brando quality to Joe Don Baker. When you look at him in Adam at 6 a.m. With the diet? Well, with, well, I was going to get to that, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But but also, there's there's a little bit of Stanley Kowalski, I think, in those early performances, that unpredictable uh, fire in the eyes quality. But listen, guys, we should talk about Mitchell. We all watched it, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, I took the bullet of jumping on Golden Needles oh. as well, which you made a year before Mitchell. <laughs> I did the same mistake. Now, Golden Needles, I thought was going to be better than it was. I watched it 10 years ago, and I, I thought it was like uh, dull. But at that time in my life, I was getting drunk and falling asleep watching movies. So I was like, well, that was probably on me. Well, that was probably like a mercy killing on yourself where you're like, <laughs> I made the right decision. I I'm so glad that you both watched Golden Needles because I also watched it earlier this year. The pitch is so irresistible. It's the creative team behind Enter the Dragon tries to do Enter the Dragon again, but instead of Bruce Lee, it's Joe Don Baker. How can that fail? (laughs) It sounds so good. And the issue with the film is it is fairly extravagant. It takes place in Hong Kong, but it's also got the vibe of we're just following Joe Tom Baker on a vacation that he doesn't want to be taking. Yeah, I mean, when you watch Enter the Dragon, which had the same director, Robert Klaus, and I think the same writer and producer as well, imagine that movie, but take out Bruce Lee. You know, it's pretty slack when, when you don't have him in yeah, it. Yeah, not a lot there. The most memorable scene for me was when some guy threw a bunch of snakes down and he, to get away from it, Joe John Baker just throws, <laughs> heaves his own body through a window. I, there is a lot of Joe Don Baker throwing people through windows or Joe on Baker pinning someone against a wall and like delivering three gut punches because that's really all he can do right that rooftop scene that's the scene that makes the movie when he's throwing all those henchmen just into like the sunroofs or whatever of this warehouse because Joe Don Baker his career during this period he's an action star but he's also a big guy who can't move that fast so it's mostly sweaty Joe Don Baker running through scenes as we also see in Mitchell that's his trademark and if you can't figure out a way to make that work you get kind of like the empty of something like Golden Needles. I think Phil Carlson is the director who really understood Joe Don Baker as an action star. Like, he doesn't work in that Enter the Dragon template. Phil Carlson knew this is a big guy. If he punches you, it's going to really hurt, and it's also going to be lumbering and slow. And he's going to be sweaty while he's doing that, which is very important. (laughs) So, like, in a movie like Framed, a Joe Don Baker fight scene is like a Godzilla fight scene. I have not seen this movie until you guys suggested it, that I watch it for this, and my God, this is his magnum opus. This is this is the probably the best. I like this better than Mitchell. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Way better than Mitchell. Framed, you also don't have to like take the person aside and be like, listen, I know this was joked a lot. It's a little lame, but there's stuff to enjoy. No, Framed 
could have been like another walking tall if it got to the right audience. Because Joe Don Baker, I mean, you could say he's kind of like in that Clint Eastwood style mold in like he's like a hardened badass, but he's also the blue collar version of that, that you believe, and it just works so well. So many great badass moments in that movie, like at the end after he's fought with the guy and he's shot his ear off, yep. <laughs> literally shot the guy's ear off and it's dangling <laughs> and, and he leaves and the guy's yelling at him, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you. And then Joe Don Baker drives back he pulls out his gun and says you know what i believe you and he shoots him in the face <laughs> so good <laughs> cold <laughs> it's unbelievable like i know there was violence cut out of mitchell for the mst3k thing i was surprised about the amount of violence that was in the original cut of mitchell but framed eats the whole cake with this they live-esque fight at the start oh. where jodan baker slowly murders a shit like a sheriff or a deputy and it is one of the best scenes I've seen this year. Oh, yeah. That fist fight should be on like the top 10 fist fights ever. Yes. Because it is like sloppy. You believe they just let the guys go at it. The camera can barely capture it. And it goes on so long because he's genuinely killing a guy on screen. So long. And then the cop is is like in a pool of blood, like resting in a pool of blood at the, by the end of it. It's amazing. And I mean, this is not involving Joe Don Baker, but if you aren't sold on framed yet, there is the most insane stunt you've ever seen in a North American film where a car gets hit by a train and the stuntman, uh, you know, subbing for Jodan Baker seems inches from death. Yes. He seems like fully engulfed in flames for a couple of <laughs> frames of the movie. Yeah. In that fight scene, though, one of the things I like about Jodan Baker is this absolute shamelessness this absolute willingness to risk appearing ridiculous like there's nothing well there actually there is a lot cool about that fight scene but also there's nothing glamorous about it he's constantly putting himself in these positions with his body of just looking like an absolute sweaty bloody mess now compared that to a movie that came out the same year mitchell Mitchell! <laughs> well, Mitchell is the story of a lazy, sl well, not lazy, a slobby, asshole-ish, loose cannon cop. They prefer the term schlubby, Will. Yeah, you're right. He's, he's schlubby. Maybe not in, not in the best shape, but he looks okay, better than his reputation, and nobody at the force likes him. Partly because he's an asshole, but partly because he's a, a cop of real principle, and he will not take no from an answer from his superiors. And this leads him to doing a two-pronged pursuit of two big villains. First, John Saxon plays a, a rich man who has killed, for no reason, a robber in cold blood, a robber while he was about to escape. Remember when that was illegal, folks? <laughs> Jodon wants to nail him for that. John Saxon is too powerful, though, so the police put him instead on the trail of Martin Balsam. He is connected to a big heroin ring, and the police want to wanna bust him for that. And Jodon says, I'm going to nab both these guys because it's all connected. Now, this movie has been made fun of endlessly starting with MST3K, that Jodan Baker is a slovenly, lazy dude, but it has the kind of like Starship Troopers riffing problem where you watch the film and you go, yeah, that's what the directors and the filmmakers wanted to make. Like a film about, you know, a just kind of lame-o cop who is good enough at his job that he succeeds in the end, but is also lame. And that's what's charming about him. It reminded me of, there was like two Paul Newman movies that he made, one of them being The Drowning Pool, where he played that kind of like slacker detective that's just doing his job, but just barely. There's a scene in Mitchell, maybe like two thirds of the way into it, after one of the big action scenes where Joe Don is just 
lying on his couch and he has a bunch of crumpled up beer cans <laughs> and I think a whole empty bottle of scotch just on the table. And of course, anyone who's seen the Mystery Science Theater version will know this scene because they make fun of it endlessly. Don't they put like fart sounds in it as well? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they do. They do. But then when you watch it without all that noise, what you realize is, oh yeah, they made it this way on purpose. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this scene is coming in this movie at a point to show you, yes, this guy really is like this. You're not supposed to think he's this cool, badass hero in this moment. Sure, like these are like genuine. They're like they're going for like comedy moments in Mitchell, but like I guess maybe it's a credit to Joe Joe Don Baker being so good because he sells it where you feel like yeah, Mitchell is just this fucking. He's dropping his gun. He's a, he's a slob. You can watch <laughs> this movie on mute and you'll be laughing at he just, it. Just like accidentally covering a prostitute in beer and he's like oh sorry about that (laughs) yeah Yeah, the scenes with linda evans again those were scenes that the mystery science theater crew was just making fun of so relentlessly and when you don't hear that what you're left with are scenes where this this uh, schlubby asshole is just like appallingly rude to a prostitute and it didn't quite register with me before without without the silhouettes there that that's what these scenes actually were like it wasn't just Joel and the robots adding that to it. Mm-hmm. I love the scene where Joe Don just gets in a verbal argument with a kid and the kid's like, why are you copying me? He's like, why are you copying me? <laughs> That's the fine line Mitchell tries to walk. And I mean, as Will said, when we were talking about earlier, it's not great. It's it's OK. Yeah. Eric, what did you think of Mitchell just watching it? Like, Oof. like, do you think it do you think it approaches being good? Unfortunately, I think it doesn't. I think framed is a, is a huge, huge home run. For, for what this type of movie is going to. I feel like Mitchell dragged in, in at points, was maybe a little dull, but mm-hmm. it does pick up towards the end when we get those... Uh, Dune buggy chases, I guess? <laughs> yes, yeah. I thank you. I was searching for the word of whatever type of off-road vehicle uh, uh, pursuit <laughs> this was, and him just shooting people was a delight. It definitely has its moments, but I think Framed is the better movie. I think Mitchell is better than Golden Needles, though. Oh, boy. Oh, definitely. I mean, everything's better than Golden Needles. <laughs> I mean, Jodan Baker does not look like he wants to be there in Golden Needles. Like, oh, why am I in Hong Kong? I'd rather be anywhere else. I think that Mitchell definitely has a bit of a pacing problem in the first half of the movie. There are so many scenes of Jodan just sitting in a car, just waiting for things to happen. Yes, yeah. A lot of kind of draggy, talky scenes in the first half. I will say, though, I couldn't believe it. I was finding myself in the second half getting kind of engrossed in the plot. How dare MST3K cut out the scene where Jodan Baker brutally kills a man with a rock, which is on the poster. <laughs> yes, yeah. That that's that image definitely struck me last night. I was like, that is the poster. And actually, yeah, MST3K cut out, I think, maybe the two best scenes in the movie, which are, yeah, just the whole dune buggy chase, as well as the scene where Jodon crushes the man's hand in, in a car door. They're making their own narrative. <laughs> the movie is significantly better when you see it on its own because those two scenes when you remove them they serve to make the plot basically impenetrable because that scene where the guy gets his hand crushed in the in the car you don't realize that in the mst3k version that it's the same guy who drove him off the road in the scene before and it's the same guy that he shoots after in the the scene right after like you miss you miss the thread that connects all these plot elements and i think i was just surprised watching it on its own that there is a very coherent plot here that has a lot of twists and turns and double crosses that are kind of fun to follow if you follow them and following mitchell though uh joe dodd got his own tv series that i've never heard anyone talk about 
don't know if I can pronounce it either. It's like I've got it. It's Aishai. Aishai. It, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I actually believe that he was uh, maybe the highest paid person in television at that wow. point. Wow. And it only lasted 13 episodes. And following that, he went where all great actors go, the orbit of a director named Graydon Clark. Oh my God, Joysticks. That's kind of a classic. Will was watching Wacko today, and he had some nice things to say concerning Joe Don Baker, didn't you, Will? Yeah, so I squeezed in the first half of Wacko before before we started recording, because I'm, I am determined to make Joe Don Baker my most watched letterboxed actor this year. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to make time where I can, and in that movie, it's, it's a Halloween parody, basically, and he plays the Donald Pleasance role, <laughs> and he is all out. It is a full-on balls-to-the-wall like comic Jodon Baker performance. I was very impressed. You know, just great to see himself throw himself into it. I am less impressed, I, I gotta say, by his work in both Joysticks and Final Justice. Oh, yeah. Joy, joysticks, he plays sort of like, I, I, I now I think Footloose and, and Flashdancer later, but like he, he plays like the guy in town who's like, stop playing video games. They're immoral and evil. Yeah, he's the John Lithgow character. Yeah. It's been a while, but he might hook up with Mrs. Pac-Man in the end. I, I don't recall. I mean, maybe. It's been, it's been about 10 years since I've seen Joysticks myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's his prize for saving the universe from the video game. <laughs> so Final Justice, this is the sleepiest Joe Don has been up to net then, I think. Final Justice is just such a shameless movie because, yeah, he plays a Texas deputy sheriff who has to extradite a mobster to Malta. And everything about that, it just screams like we had a deal to make a movie in Malta. <laughs> that, 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 that's all that's all that says to me. It's a money laundering scheme of some kind. Yeah, I never expected uh, Joe Don Baker to be such an international like uh, tra- tra- traversing star. <laughs> Hong Kong, uh, Malta. I mean, he is the American persona. That's why you get him out there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a genius in France, you know. <laughs> Oh, Joe Don's back on the podcast. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I yeah, I podcast like Joe Don Baker. I double featured Mitchell and Final Justice last night. I got a hot new Final Justice Blu-ray, and I thought, well, if I don't watch it tonight, I will never, ever, 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 ever watch it. <laughs> uh, and watching them back to back, it's really instructive. Final Justice is really is really terrible, and Mitchell feels like just a 70s drive-in movie and Final Justice is a really cheap direct-to-video 80s action movie and you can feel the difference in those two modes. Oh, also how committed Joe Don is to the performance. I'm sorry to say that he no longer has that fire in his eyes quality in in Final Justice. Oh. I mean, it's 1985, like, he's been in the trenches for a while. It's starting to drain out of his eyes. Even huh? though that year he did star in a miniseries, Edge of Darkness, directed by Martin Campbell, and he said that's his favorite role that he's ever done, but listen, guys, that's a six-hour miniseries. We only have so much time in the day. I do intend to watch it at some point, because whenever, you know, people who are really in the know, they always say... That's the best thing he's ever done, Edge of Darkness. At the Joe Don Baker like uh, forums that you visit, <laughs> and they talk about the best performances. At the, at the secret society that I'm part of, the Joe, the Joe Don Baker fraternity that I joined in undergrad. I think I'd rather watch Final Justice again than Leonard Part 6. Does he have a big role in Leonard Part 6? I really can't recall. It's been forever since I've seen it for obvious reasons. That seems like we hate movies fodder, or is yeah, it too hot? That's the thing. Is like it's Maybe it's a little too... Yeah, I, I was actually pushing for an episode on Ghost Dad for many years and it never really came to fruition and then all the crimes came out and I was like 
maybe it's not so funny. Although Bill Cosby is a dead man in that movie, so that's kind of cool. But just while we're on that topic, Eric, do you know who directed Ghost Dad? Oh no, I I, I don't. Who? <laughs> Joe Don Baker. <laughs> This is going to blow your mind. It's Sidney Poitier. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Well, uh, coming soon in the Important Cinema Club, an episode on everyone's favorite comedian in a sweater. You could do it. You could do it. But after Final Justice, I think it's safe to say that Jodon Baker's leading man days were over, but it led to a renaissance in the 90s. Movies like Cape Fear, movies like Mars Attacks, GoldenEye. For a couple of years there, he was just everywhere. He was one of Hollywood's go-to characters. Oh, yeah. Congo? That was huge. They had a top. Taco Bell tie-in where they had like the volcano sauce, I think. Oh, I was hoping that they had like Joe Don Baker toys like sitting behind a desk, like, get me that monkey. Yeah, what they did is they just took one of the ape dolls and painted it like pink. (laughs) (laughs) Put a little like can of beer in his hand and you're like, ah, it's Joe Don. Yeah, can we prove that Joe Don was not an animatronic in that movie? (laughs) (laughs) I have vivid memories of seeing him in Goldeneye and Mars Attacks and even as a kid, he did seem like that character actor guy that when you wanted that particular type, you would get him. Like, I was not surprised to see he also showed up in the unforgettable Dukes of Hazards reboot that came out in 2005 with Stifler. And I think the last thing that he had any kind of prominent role in was Mud with Matthew McConaughey, where he had a very brief two-scene role. But, you know, it's kind of like when Robert Mitchum shows up in Dead Man. It's like a tiny part, but oh, yeah. there's something about the sheer force of his presence in that tiny part that makes it seem bigger than it is. The one thing I've been genuinely surprised about, he seemingly hasn't done a career-length interview. I haven't seen anything. I don't think he's he, he's ever done any anything befitting his talent, which is a shame. And uh, he's he's had a certain lack of visibility. He's not a guy who's on the convention circuit or stuff like that. And it's too bad because I would like to hear his testimony. He's worked with Phil Carlson, Martin Scorsese, Sam Peckinpah, John Flynn, uh, Tim Burton. That's just uh, scratching the surface. A million other people. And uh, it's, it's an amazing career when you actually start to add it all up. Any final thoughts on Joe Don, Eric? Oh, no, I, think, I think he's a tour de force. I do think people, probably because of MS2K and whatever else, the, the pop culture of Moses, the, the, the bias, these, these biases we get, I think he's worth exploring more than those. I, I do think the MST3K is classic, and I might prefer that version of Mitchell. I'm sorry. But I mean, it's too close to your heart, Eric. I understand. You can't get away from exactly. it. Exactly. Me as a little fat child watching Joe Don Baker thinking he's just like me or whatever. Well, oh, then everyone made You held him up as a heroic figure as opposed to just like <laughs> tears streaming down your face, being like, why are they so mean to him? I, you know, I think I was, um, I appreciated the jokes while understanding uh, that this is a great man I am watching. But if anyone listening to this hasn't watched, watched Walking Tall. I think it's definitely worth your time. Framed is one of the best movie discoveries of this year for me, so thank you guys. And, I mean, Adam at 6am, I know it's it's derivative of a lot of stuff, but I, I think it's a very good performance from him very early in his career, and he's, he's like a slenderman in that one. It's disappointing only in the sense that you wish he did more, like, even as just, like, supporting roles, because he had, like, you know, the outfit, and he also did Charlie Varick, and it seemed to have ended because he was in a push and pull between the leading man roles that I don't know if he felt he needed and the more character parts that he only kind of segued later into his career where he was best at. I'm very curious of what that alternate history would be if he had done, like, because they made multiple Walking Tall sequels with Bo Svensson, right? 
Like what? What would that be? You know, I mean, him going to franchise town with that. Uh, uh, would he have progressed further in a leading man role? I do think Mitchell is sort of like him trying to almost go back to the well of like, here I'm going to do another cop, and maybe it'll be an iconic cop. We're gonna. It's called Mitchell. I'm Mitchell. We're going for it. And it is a shame that he was, I guess, underappreciated in his time. But his 90s revival was great. I mean, the the Bond stuff is wonderful. Not just Pierce Brosnan, but the Timothy Dalton one as well. He, again, we keep saying this, but he's like such a presence and not appreciated like he should be. And I hope everybody listening to this is like, you know what? I'm going to join that secret society that Will is in of Joe Don Baker fans. And I'm committing. <laughs> That's right. We're all going to meet this weekend and watch Checkered Flag or Crash. So, so as per usual, you can uh, send us letters at Point Cinema Club Podcast at gmail.com. No, no. How about this? How about I give you fan mail right now in real time? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. You guys have like such a great dynamic when, you know, just the two of you. The two-man podcast is hard to do. I know that because I also do a TJ Hooker podcast reviewing every single episode of that series, which I don't know why I do it. It's called Hooked on TJ Hooker. It's on tjhookerpodcast.com. I think you guys have fucking nailed the dynamic. I think you guys are great together, and it's very informative and a fun show. Oh, you run stop here. it. Oh, stop it. Yeah. I don't believe a word of that. That's very That's very kind. I slide that $5 Canadian bill across the table. <laughs> <laughs> I also like your, your anti- ticks on twitter you guys get into stuff well mostly will because he's a real uh, shit disturber oh yeah i don't i don't mean to be i just i just i just try to produce content that people love and i know that you guys listen do too. we'll have eric back on when we do the zapruder film because <laughs> I, I think he definitely has some thoughts on that bad oh boy. my god that's so that started out as just like i just think like all those film prompts are so stupid so i just started doing that and then like a year into it i'm like i guess i have to keep doing this for the rest of my life well i think that will also knows that heavy burden that he has to carry every week right yeah, will? I, I wouldn't know anything about that at all <laughs> Hey, guess what? It's Monday coming up soon. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm looking forward to Sunday's post. <laughs> so anyway, that, that settles it. Eric will come back. We'll do our Abraham Zapruder film. And the two the two movies will be Zapruder film and his little loved follow-up, Gidget Goes Hawaiian. And uh, it'll be a great episode. Uh, two dark days for American history right there. So Eric, where can people find oh, you? Well, I already did the TJ Hooker plug. I, sl- I slyly that was oh, pretty sneaky yeah, wasn't uh, it claiming that that was fan mail for us that's a lot of uh, you know i got broadcasting experience here so i i know the tricks of the trade but uh for we hate movies it's a podcast where we uh sometimes you know we also do we love movies now we take a movie we use it as like a jumping off point for comedic riffs i guess you can compare it a little bit to mst3k um you can find it at whmpodcast.com and uh we do live shows virtual shows we tour so you know check it out if that's your thing and if it's not i respect that and that's i gotta say eric when someone pitched we hate movies to me uh my pal april the no such thing as a bad movie podcast i had like my arms crossed being like another bad movie podcast come on i've gotten so much of that over the years but the thing is like we 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 were one of the uh not one of the first but we started like 11 years ago yeah but you guys are good too you actually like tackle the movies like in an intelligent 
way, breaking down why it doesn't work, as opposed to like, I can't believe they did this. Yeah, I, How did this get made? Yeah, I was going to say, what could you possibly be subtweeting with that comment? <laughs> Everyone listening well, is like, oh, man, their arms aren't broken yet from patting each other on the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're sucking each other off here at the end. But, you know, me and Andrew, we we, we met um, at college. We were both We both have cinema studies degrees. So it's like... You know, let's put that to use while drinking beer, you know? So that's sort of what the show is. Anytime there's like, ah, yes, it reminds me of a Claude Chabrol movie. I'm like nodding. <laughs> mm-hmm, yes, I agree. Uh, yeah, we try to educate the people through dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, through like a four-hour review of Stay Alive. <laughs> you can, you know, get the whole history of cinema as you go. Yep. Well, that'll be it for us, so... I'll just say that I was Will Sloan. Uh, my name was Justin the Clue, and we had today special guest... Eric Sisko. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. So I recently watched Shanghai Noon and uh, Jackie Chan and and Owen Wilson. They're good in it, but uh, the rest of it's not really. So, Eric, did you have an experience like with the rest of the world or the English speaking world in like the late 90s, early 2000s of discovering Jackie Chan? Did he have an impact on your life? Oh, man. See, that's the thing is like I'm 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 now really like making up for lost time. I'm going through and watching all these Kung Fu movies. I watched uh, Police Story uh, one and two for the first time not too long ago. And I am loving it and going through it. And yes, I I knew Jackie Chan is just an American funny man. You know what I mean? You know, he's going around the world with Steve Coogan having wacky adventures. Now, if anyone's listening to this that hasn't like gone through Jackie Chan's actual <laughs> filmography or Jet Li's or any other the uh, these stars that are, are brought in from overseas, you're, you're doing a disservice by not going and going through those movies because they are fun as hell and stuff that they make in the United States is not. Shanghai Noon is, a, you know, a bit of a mess, but you know what? We got Kid Rock's cowboy plays in that movie, and then I believe it is also in the end credits of the film, if memory serves. I mean, you know, you gotta come back for the good stuff, right? They're like, where's cowboy gonna play again? I'm sure that was over every trailer, as well as like, everybody's kung fu fighting. Yeah, of course. Well, I know that Jackie and Kid Rock were guests on the same Saturday Night Live episode. <laughs> so I can't wait for that, that Twitter account, the SNL, like, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the musical guest. I can't wait for that one. I was also seeing, Eric, that you're getting into the deep cuts, too, that you're watching 36 Deadly Styles in the World of Drunken Master. So with this beautiful like discovery of police story, you're also eating up that trash as well. You better believe it. And for some reason, I'm probably rating it higher than it should be. Kung Fu trash is just so goddamn good. Um, I recently went to, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, there's a theater in Brooklyn, New York, uh, the Spectacle Theater. They, oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been there. I enjoy it very much. Oh, yes. It's great. You know, it's funny. We had movies. We did some of our original shows there like 10 years ago when they kind of first opened. But I saw uh, The Battle Wizard, uh, 1977 there for one of their fist church. I ran, I was rushing down to Brooklyn. Like, I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get to see fist church in person because it was such a savior to me digitally through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I get there. I'm like, oh, no, they're going to start it with without me because I'm like five minutes late. N- no one showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I paid for the ticket and they played me played me a movie anyway and they played the battle wizard 1977 i don't know if you guys have seen it but it's it's 
fucking wild and it was a great time that is one of the great shaw brothers late period sweating through how are you gonna get the attention of people who love jackie chan oh we'll make the craziest movie imaginable it is so crazy and it's only like 70 something minutes but like they put like there's like magic involved and people have snakes get put into their bodies so there's kind of a body horror element and it's just so much fun for people who would uh like to maybe during this holiday season have the craziest shaw brothers marathon imaginable you should check out battle wizard is it holy flame of the martial world will i believe that's uh, uh that sounds right to me yes and also bloody parrot which is a wild movie filled with like martial arts uh sex violence zombies and of course an evil parrot i believe it grants wishes in the movie <laughs> but like the leprechaun uh-oh watch out what you wish for i am adding that to my list i can't wait to get this shaw brothers collection from uh, arrow that's uh being shipped out now um because i'm a huge fan of one of the movies in there the crippled avengers better than the avengers movies that the mcu is putting out the Crippled Avengers. Check that one out as well. Now, Eric, have you seen The Crippled Masters? Oh, God, no, I have not. I didn't even know there was Crippled. I thought there was just cri- Crippled Avengers. Yeah, so it's a ripoff of Crippled Avengers. <laughs> it's a it's a much more low-rep production, but they actually got real disabled people in it. So oh. they're, they're basically two, like, thalidomide babies, I'm sorry to say. This Crippled Masters, it's more authentic. It's authentic to a fault, you could say. <laughs> yeah, like, th- there's a guy who just has, like, little stubs for arms, and there's, there's a guy who just has like very shriveled up legs you know for real and then the big climax of the movie is that the guy with no legs jumps on the shoulders of the guy with no arms and they become i feel i feel like i'm going to hell just for even saying this but they they become together a kung fu fighting warrior uh, it's very easy to find and well well worth watching once a master blaster oh, yeah welcome to the wild world of martial arts cinema dude i'm loving it i know i'm a way late adopter to it but uh i'm loving it i'm Loving Never it. Too Never late. too late. Yeah. <laughs>